right, welcome back to another episode of A Dad and His PC. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is that you found the show. Now, <clears throat> as I was listening to the show from last week and just trying to figure out what I could do better, maybe what I could improve on in some way, there was something that I probably should have done in that first episode, especially since it's in the title of the show. But uh, yeah, so should probably talk about my PC, but let's go with a little history lesson first. So as I said, I'm 36 years old and I grew up in an area of Texas that, let's say, wasn't the most tech savvy. Plus, I was trying to do internet searches in the era of America online. So computers were for work and they happened to also play video games, which meant when we needed a new computer, you went to Best Buy and bought an HP or Gateway off the rack and went home ignorant of the fact that the thing that you just bought and spent an immense amount of money at the time was obsolete by the time it actually got to the store. Not when you walked out with it, when it actually got to the store. And I can actually remember the Gateway computer that we purchased and thinking that it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And now the iPhone that I have is not only more powerful, faster, and has more memory than that gateway could even comprehend. I can play better video games on my phone than anything the gateway could create at the time. Uh, my first custom computer came on my 18th birthday as a graduation gift to take to college. And when the person got a hold of me that, that was kind of looking for what I was looking for back in 2004, what I said was, I wanted to be able to play Doom 3, maxed out, no slowdown, perfect game, ready to go, just because that game was going to release right before I left for college. Since then, haven't looked back, that tower uh, that I received at 18, I was still using up until about six years ago. But as the hardware started to get more advanced and more powerful and the things that you're playing take up more, uh, basically take up more of what your computer can produce, the heat was generating. It was a very closed, tight metal casket and it would actually overheat all the time. And the first time I noticed it overheating was when I was trying to play Diablo 3 for long stretches of time. I actually had to put ice packs on the tower so that I could play for longer than an hour and a half. What I loved about that was that that was my first clue that, hey, I need to get a new thing. So the first thing I did was just get the tower that I have now, which is this massive, huge tower that is a dust magnet because it is open vented. It, it allows for more heat to just disperse out of the machine. Uh, since then, I've had this massive tower that I don't really need anymore. But it's still a custom job. It's been upgraded over the years, and it's more of a Frankenstein's monster than anything else. It's, But yeah, it's that same standard tower with, I'd say, it's almost entirely like a metal mesh so that everything, the heat can just vent out pretty easily. And I don't have to spend money on water cooling or, or major fan cooling units. It's a two-monitor setup. Display both are 27 inch. Uh, the main monitor is a Asus with a 240 refresh that's G-Sync compatible. And the second monitor is a Curve 27A open with uh, the max is about 165 on the refresh. So about as far as, you know, a secondary monitor, it's pretty good. Um, I've got an AMD Ryzen 7 3700X 8 core at 3.59 gigahertz. Uh, for some reason, I have 32 gigabytes of RAM. I do have one terabyte SSD 
and a two terabyte HDD. Not sure why I didn't just convert it all to SSD, but I make stupid decisions all the time, so this doesn't shock me. Video card is an NVIDIA GeForce RTX 2080 Super, and that's the 8 gig model GDDR6. And when I got it at the time, it wasn't necessarily top tier anymore, but it was still better than most. You know, I, I understand that now it's it's on the bottom end of of that top tier. It's on the bottom, you know, maybe the high end of mid tier video cards. Uh, but at the time when I got it, it was great. And uh, the motherboard, Asus Tough motherboard X570, and this is I think. Maybe the third, fourth variation or upgrade I've had within this tower. Um, I've had this most recent one, I'd say, for about a year and a half, two years now. This is what made me, I needed to get the motherboard simply because a lot of the new processors and things wouldn't connect to the old motherboard. Uh, the next one I hope will be or will come when I can afford it. Or at the very least, I can, uh, as far as upgrades go, but I can hand this computer down to my brother because his computer is essentially lurching towards death on a weekly basis. And instead, I'd like maybe start fresh with a new clean custom job to upgrade with a significantly smaller tower. I don't need this massive tower anymore. Uh, that would be the ideal situation. So, yeah, I thought, you know what? Maybe I should tell the audience what I'm working with, seeing as how the whole podcast is called A Dad and His PC. You should probably know what my PC is. And like I said, it's a Frankenstein's monster of of stuff put together, but it works and it's got pretty good to great performance on most things, unless it's an Ubisoft game, because they are the bane of my existence, just like they are the bane of almost everyone else's existence. So now, you know, now you know what I'm rocking with and what I use on a daily basis for working for play. So next things up, we're going to go into uh, some upcoming releases, things I'm excited about, and then we will get to a No Man's Sky history and re-review basically where it came from and where it's at and what the title is doing now and give it a re-review on what it's turned out to be so i'm kind of excited about today's show and when we come back we'll get to stuff that i'm looking forward to in games and then jump into norman no man's sky okay so this is an interesting time because we do have a few major releases coming out I'm excited to say that the first thing uh, is Spider-Man Remastered. By the time you hear this, it will have come out on August 12th. The amazing thing about this PC port is that not only do you get the full game, gorgeous PC graphics, all of the things that come with it, but you will also get the City That Never Sleeps, the DLC that console players were able to get through the season pass. It's all included for one price which is amazing because City That Never Sleeps, that DLC is essentially a game on its own. It's amazing content provided. Those of you that pre-ordered, uh, we're going to be able to get a, a bevy of skins and content for the effort at first boot up. So that's exciting. And I can't wait to get my hands on this. Uh, this has been something I've been waiting for since it was announced it was going to get ported. I will be playing this weekend as a way to kind of get a, a hands-on feel for it. I mean, everybody already knows it's one of the best games released, but as we have known those of us that play PC predominantly that a uh, PC port isn't always perfect. Uh, for strategy fans, Total War fans, the Immortal Empires update is going to be coming out August 23rd for, on PC. There will also be a DLC edition. It's a pay DLC. That's the unfortunate part uh, to bolster the Lords of Chaos. You know, the map from everything we've seen is massive. I mean, it expands the Warhammer 2 map which was already big goes even further 
I'm a massive strategy fan, and even I'm intimidated by that map. I mean, the the China map from War, Three Kingdoms was insane. I didn't think something could get bigger than that, and they've outdone themselves, and it's even more intense. And some of the things I've seen from Lord of Total War, where you're starting out for a campaign, and you're they show you the whole map, and you've got this tiny little sliver of a slot, and you've got to conquer the rest of it. So that looks like a blast, strategy fans. Coming out August 18th on PC and the 19th on all other consoles is, of course, this year's version of Madden. And I can't wait to see how terrible this game is. One of these days I will have a rant on the current era of sports games uh, as far as like major releases like Madden and The Show and 2K. But we'll talk about Madden more next week on next week's show. Those of y'all that enjoy football games, I mean, it's really your only genuinely good option so look out for that last but not least august 16th we'll see the release of regiments by developer bird's eye games now i've seen this on uh, from people that were given an early release by the devs as a way to to showcase it and, and promote the game and this is one of the more interesting strategy titles i've seen in a while um you're looking at a full-on military sim that is done in phases which are then done for each mission so you got these multiple phases you're working through you're given so many points to allocate to be effective during that phase eventually the phase ends and you move on to the next phase and the next phase until you complete the mission and it's a very interesting way of, of utilizing points and being efficient with whatever it is or it adds an extra layer of strategy as you try to figure out what you're going to do so far from what I've seen, it looks like a blast if you are an old school military sim player. They're finally using a Cold War setting instead of something that is dealing with uh, World War One or World War II with these military sims. So you're going to get fairly modern weaponry. You're going to get things that you might recognize from modern warfare games, but through a tactical sim game. As a history nerd, this is one of the first strategy games I've actually been interested in in a while. It is a unique twist on RTS, and it's supposed to be incredibly accessible for traditional RTS players, but it provides that new challenge, um, having to utilize best, most efficiently use your points during your phases so that you can uh, adjust and kind of handle the dynamic objectives that will occur in each mission. During one of the promotional videos I saw on YouTube, as I was trying to learn more about this game, the one of the more interesting things I saw was that you will get these cards that, uh, well, essentially they're, they're dynamic things that happen within the map. And you must choose one uh, before the mission starts, and they're not always positive. And so that adds another layer of what you need to do. And they could be something like, uh, it costs more to deploy your air unit. So yes, you might have this access to massive air superiority in the mission uh, that you might be just have these amazing air units. But in order to play them, you have no choice but to utilize, again, more of your resources just to get them out onto the field. And so that way, anytime you might lose one, it becomes that more painful. So again, there's layers upon layers for this game. It looks amazing seems to play very smooth this will be one of the few things i will be purchasing with my limited funds as a teacher and i cannot wait to jump in and tell you all about it 
But for now, we are going to move on to the re-review of the game No Man's Sky. I wanted to kind of get through the gaming news as fast as possible so I could devote what's left of today's show uh, to my re-review of No Man's Sky in, in a celebration of their 20th major update, Endurance. All right, welcome back from that short break. So something that I've tried to express every time that I'm on this show and something that I will continue to express through every episode is how much gaming is about, for me, having fun now. I'm 36. I have a lot of responsibilities that come with being an adult. And so for me, with the small instances I do get to play games, I don't want to really be competitive anymore. I don't want to have this incredibly huge drive that if things don't go perfectly, I get angry or I rage and I can't, I just can't do that anymore. I can't put any bandwidth into that. And one of my favorite games to just kind of lose time with because it's very low stakes, very fun game, but it doesn't require you to try and be the best every time you do this is No Man's Sky. And, and on July 20th, the developers released Endurance, which is their 20th major update and DLC since uh, the game was released in August of 2016. Now, I know that there are a million more actual updates. There's almost, I think, 30 total. But in terms of fundamentally changing and augmenting the gameplay, this was their 20th update for players. Now, when this game was first released, to say that it didn't meet the expectations set by the developers is an understatement, but I also think it's a little unfair to them. Okay, when this game came out and they were showcasing it, the fans sort of put themselves into it. They put things out there in their own mindscape that didn't exist, that weren't just realistic to show up at the time. They were justified in their anger when the game came out, but there was also a lot of projecting in that as well. And so bugs and glitches aside, what was pitched in that meeting was not what was presented when they the game came out in August of 2016. The thing about creating a universe with 18 quintillion planets to explore each with their own ecosystem is that when you're doing it alone and the mining system requires a lot of grinding, regardless of how simple the gameplay is, you're going to get bored fast. Almost immediately when this game came out, they lost like 90% of their player base. They went from massive numbers to less than 50,000 people at peak playing at one time. Uh, but what happened to it, for those of y'all that don't know, is the game was overhyped and under-delivered to a level we haven't seen in a long time. Well, at, the, at that point, we hadn't seen in a long time. Fans whipped themselves into frenzy about what the game could be rather than what it was going to be. Players did not get the universe, uh, well, like, players did get the universe, but uh, with no two planets alike and a massive space exploration sim, but unfortunately, the gameplay is the same and didn't change much at initial release. You land, explore, analyze, and grind for resources, lather, rinse, repeat. So they were expecting this world where they could go anywhere and, and be this amazing space explorer, and really, you just got a, a mining sim that allowed you to go into space. Which was, again, it, it's a fun, simple game at the time in 2016, but for what they thought they were going to get when they were going to be able to explore Nebula or being able to board massive destroyed ships, uh, the fans who had initially bought it were left wanting and incredibly disappointed and returned the game in droves. 
However, to Hello Games' credit, rather than accept defeat, the lay down on their sword and accept that they deliver what they promised, they actually got to work. Uh, the core gameplay is still the same. Okay, You enter the universe, explore the universe and its amazing planets, mine, build, occasionally fight, and learn. Learning the languages, history, and culture of the three main alien species, the Gek, the Viking, and the Korvax, uh, is pretty integral to enjoying the game, learn, breaking down their languages so you can know what they're ta- saying to you, what they're asking of you, what you need to do in response is, is a great thing to do. Uh, but the overall experience has been overhauled immensely with, uh, with each new major update. Okay, So again, core gameplay is the same, but how you do it and how things go about it has completely changed in the last six years. Uh, within the first year of this game's release, so this is again after they've lost 90% of their player base, uh, they released three updates, Foundation, Pathfinder, and Atlas Rises. Foundation allowed players to have basically have the basics of base building. So this was the first major update. The, the ability to use massive freighters and introduce players to the creative and survival modes of gameplay that we know now, which are how they... Uh, exactly how they sound. So creative mode lets you play the game. It's much more low stakes than normal. It allows you to really focus on being creative and building as much fun stuff as you can, whereas survival mode is the opposite. Okay, It's incredibly difficult, both from the initial outset and throughout gameplay. There's even death penalties at that. So that's their first major of these 20 updates. Pathfinder in early uh, 2017 finally started to bring together players and connectivity online as well as introducing the Exocraft planetary vehicles, which again are giant Jeeps, tanks, now giant mechs um, that allow you to mine resources, travel along the the planets a little faster, do everything you need to do, but actually be able to do it from the safety of this big tank or a fast car or something that can skim over water, all these different uh, amazing vehicles. They also introduced permadeath mode, ship and weapon specialization, and owning multiple ships, the idea that you can own your own fleet of ships. Uh, While being able to have multiple ships in your freighter hangar was cool, it was the ability to share your base location online and the Exocraft races that were most interesting at the time because it showed the signs of the connectivity and community shown when the devs first announced the game. After that, within one year, you got to understand, this is all happening within one year. The third update released a year later which was called Atlas Rises, and it probably was more important than even Foundation and Pathfinder at the time because it allowed for the basics of multiplayer. You were no longer alone in the universe. The ability to travel new planets instantly through portals, and finally there was a story mode. You had a point. You had something you actually to do as opposed to just going and mining and building, and there was more lore created. And This was about the time that I first jumped into this game. I bought this game, PlayStation 4, um, and was having a great time. And it was a good way to sink two, three hours into doing something low stakes, but engaging. And every single time you visit a new space station, you visit a new planet, you're able to learn new things, and you're able to accomplish things. So there's always a sense of accomplishment in this game. It was around 2017 where I first jumped in, but that was on console. Eventually, I got rid of the the consoles and moved towards PC and didn't really think about this game for a few years. But I was still engaged, and I was one of the few. Because at the time, even though they had given these players all of this free, uh, this didn't bring back players immediately who were scared off again by that initial release. The Series 1 patch 
saw Next, Abyss, and Visions all released in 2018. Two years later is when players started to creep up because now with the release of the Next update, that's right, it's Next, not the Next update, but rather an update called Next, which expanded multiplayer to the point where the game was now more than functional with friends and could be explored as such. Abyss was a nice deviation and allowed for aquatic environments. You got to understand on these planets, there were all these amazing water environments, but you couldn't do anything with it. And so now you could now build bases underwater. You could explore underwater. A new exocraft, the submar- uh, basically a submarine was made for huge environmental expansion to a game seen as a space exploration sim was getting deeper. Um, it is now turning both into a space sim and a world exploring sim, not just uh, go explore the stars. It's now go explore, explore the stars and have a purpose. Finally, with the visions update, the world and the universe started to get more detailed. We got more biomes, more things for the player and their friends to find in two years. What was released and what the players now had for free, might I add, were worlds apart. This game in two years went from not being close to what the devs promised to now starting to fulfill everything they, they explored. All those years ago fast forward to 2022 six years after release and they haven't stopped giving things to their players it's to hello games credit six years after release they haven't stopped giving things to their players to enhance their experience and they don't plan on stopping from expeditions which are giant community events designed to give new challenges to the players in a new game mode or maybe you have always wanted to found your own alien planetary settlement well, in 2021, you were given that option when you got that from Frontiers, the Frontiers expansion. Maybe you wanted more combat and new enemies. The Sentinel expansion not only gave you all of that, uh, basically all that you could handle, but also you could have your own personal robotic companions for your trouble, which brings us to the most recent update, Endurance. Your freighter can now become your home away from home, with it becoming your mobile base in space. Crew members are now have uh, will now have specializations. Black holes have intense and gorgeous new visuals as you travel through them and to them. You can traverse and build on the exterior of your freighter. And most interesting, the giant living vessels you see exploring deep space. That's right, living frigates. And you can build a fleet of these to deploy on missions while also customizing and upgrading them. Remember, this is a game that... 90% of its player base dropped because it was essentially you are alone in the universe, mine some resources, that's it. Now you have the ability to not only have your own fleet of fighters, your own fleet of frigates, you can now uh, find these living, huge, massive biological frigates and have a fleet of them and run missions from nothing to everything you could ever want. In six years, players have gone from a universe they could explore, but that was empty and alone, to one of the more vibrant and engaging space exploration sims out on the market today and possibly ever. The core gameplay can get repetitive. I will completely agree and own up to that. The core gameplay is still repetitive. It is still find resources, find planet, repeat. Because at its most basic level, it's still just a resource gathering utilization game. At, at the very simple and basic level, that's what it is. But you don't have to do it alone anymore. You don't have to hunt for resources with the massive amounts of trading posts and markets that update regularly. Combat and pirate interactions are plentiful, so you're never short on in-game currency. Playing this game in the early days, finding money required, finding resources that you both didn't want to get rid of but had no choice because you needed to sell it for credits. 
now, uh, just playing the other day, I was attacked by AI pirates probably 10 times in the two or three hour span. And that gave me enough currency to not have to worry about stuff for a while. The story mode is fascinating and engaging and short and short as it should be for a game like this, which is really just about exploring and making your own story. So they didn't do something crazy by giving you this insanely lore-heavy thing that will require months and months of playing to try and understand it all. No, they, they basically gave you a story that you can complete in one full playthrough if you just devote your entire time to it. And for those of you that have never played it before, the story is fascinating. I enjoyed it. It was uh, the twists you don't see coming are great. The option you have at the end of story mode is fun. And I can kind of see the, the the way that the devs kind of put that there. And and you have two options. You have two choices. I won't spoil which ones that, you, uh, to, that, that I've chosen. Well, that's not true. I've chosen both, but I won't spoil what they are. And they are amazing. Each option will be a great option for you, um, depending on how you see the world. But there is something for people that need a story in games. Okay, now the fact that all of this has been given to players at no cost beyond initial purchase of the game is astounding. Again, this is 20 plus DLC updates and expansions for free. All it required was you buy the game. That was it. Now, there are still buggy moments, uh, but they are patched quick and you could argue that there's almost too much to do now in the game, so you were never sure what to do next. I, 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 that's something that I've kind of... Uh, Notice there were times where I'm fighting sentinels. Uh, the sentinel warning goes away, and now the, the little dog sentinel is glitching through environments. And so even though I'm inside of a base, I can see the thing walking on the ground, even though it should never be able to actually be there. So that was that's always funny. But also, there's always another little thing of a mission to do. And there's almost too much to do now. You get so many notifications that uh, it's frightening. I have uh, just between the last playthrough, there were 12 missions that I have just kind of queued there to get to whenever I need to get to. And that's a lot. I have played and owned this game at nearly every stage of its develop initially. So I was one of the early adopters. I wasn't an early adopter. I didn't buy it at release, but I bought it within the first year, owning it on the PS4. I've transitioned to the PC. It's probably one of my best and favorite time suck games that exists. I have seen the bland, repetitive mining game turn into a sprawling universe that could have easily been two other games by this company. They could have easily just taken half of these, uh, created No Man's Sky 2, and then put the ten, first 10 expansions, and then created No Man's Sky 3, and gave you all those first 10, but then provided another 10. The most important thing is they could have charged us for all of this. The first few being free is one thing, but they could have charged us for the last 15, 14, 13 of them, but they haven't, which is amazing. I've seen the bland repetitive mining game, of course, and then within six years, it has gone from something that I would have said is a six or seven out of 10. It's a fine, fun little time suck, but it's not in anywhere near what you were expecting, and nor should it be considered that. However, today... This is a solid 9 out of 10. And I would argue uh, this has gotten to the point where it's surpassed even what the devs initially anticipated. You know, six years ago, they thought they were creating something fun and unique, and they were. But what was released isn't that. Six years later, it's that and more. Where many groups would have given up, Hello Games 
has triumphed. As far as my re-review is concerned, No Man's Sky is a 9 out of 10. And with that being said, that brings today's show to a close. Thank you for listening this week, and be sure to join me next week when I discuss my initial hands-on time with Spider-Man Remastered, a port that I've been waiting for patiently for a while now, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. Everyone knows how great of a game it is, but I want to get my hands on it and see if it holds up to everyone's expectations. Also, uh, I kind of want to talk about the continued rise in popularity of idle games like Idle Champions, uh, as well as previewing upcoming releases as usual. Got interview requests flooding out of my email account as we speak, and hopefully soon I'll get a response or two so I can start bringing you some other voices to this show and some other perspectives on things. Until then, subscribe and comment, or don't. I'm not your parent. I'm just a dad in his PC. 